0: Create discipline, create. create collaborate, create surprise, create collaborate. This is Create Collaborate. This is your host. Jody Sperling. Just some random thoughts I was having as I was working to edit this podcast uh, among some others. Today's a big editing day in the studio. And by studio, I mean this little nook of the upstairs room in the house I currently live. I was thinking everybody does have a story and that is the reason for this podcast. But not everybody can tell their story in the most compelling way. And that's not to say it's their fault because sometimes... As a host, I do a really bad job asking questions, or I get too fascinated with myself, and I go on long tangents about my own story. My instinct is, you may listen to this podcast for one of the guests that I bring on, especially cool guys like Sashin, you'll be hearing from him soon. Jody Sperling, my doppelganger, you'll be hearing from her soon. But if you're going to stick around, you're going to stick around because you find something appealing in my point of view, and I'm just arrogant enough to believe that that makes sense. But today's guest, Daniel Iacob, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly, Daniel. I never asked you on the podcast, and that is what we like to call a rookie mistake. I made a rookie mistake, and I was a little bit scared. I'm always scared when I can't pronounce a name. Daniel is more fascinating than I am. His life has been rich and full. There's been moments of great drama, moments of great peace, and he has been tenacious in seeking out awesome experiences. He's somewhat the antithesis of how I want to live my life, and I found myself feeling a little bit jealous, maybe a little bit inadequate because of his ability to be comfortable in his own skin. This is a longer episode. It's a longer intro. You're going to find so much value. I really couldn't cut a lot. I hope you enjoy a couple hours. Maybe this is a good one for you who have longer drives. Nice moment to fold the laundry, enjoy a podcast, hear a new perspective. As you'll hear in the interview, Daniel originally hailed from Romania. Learn a lot about Romania in this episode. No need to recap that here. As usual, when you enjoy this episode with daniel you've got to do me a favor hit the like button if you're listening on apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom of the episode lists on the podcast page itself you're going to see a place where you can write a review and give this podcast the adequate number of stars if you think it's great give it five give me one let me know why you rated it the way you did write a review reviews make the world spin apparently if you're on spotify little five-star button down there four three two one you know the routine smash it smash that button let me know subscribe so you'll get notified episodes come out every single wednesday hope you enjoy this episode with daniel Idaho. and are you um are you over in idaho right now still
1: no i'm in oregon you're in oregon okay which part
0: uh
1: joseph oregon the willow mountains
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. All uh, right.
1: It's close to Idaho. I can look over and see the seven devils in Idaho.
0: So, and are you still doing, is it, you log for the most part, right? Are you, you kind of thin the forest? That's part of forest management is what you do or?
1: Yeah, I make sure both. Okay. Yeah, I do thinning. So we contract contracted to uh, landowners properties and do logging once in a while, and then I also am. Uh, I get contracted by the feds to do to cut down trees and fight well on wildfires.
0: Oh, you fight wildfires too! I didn't realize that was part of what you did. Yeah. Wowzers.
1: It's like a mixture of all that chainsaw stuff.
0: And and yesterday you had told me that you grew up. And if I'm sorry if I got any details wrong, but you said you grew up in Transylvania, right?
1: Well, yeah, close to the Transylvania Mountains, Romania.
0: Romania. Okay. Alrighty. And how long did you live there before you came to the States?
1: Oh, until I was like nine.
0: So enough to remember it, but not necessarily... Well, I guess I'll let you say in your own words. What what was it to you? Or I mean, do you go back? Do you have family there? Do you miss it?
1: Um, I haven't been back. I think I I miss it. It's one of those weird things. It's hard to know why you miss when you've Mm -hmm. been gone away for so long. But it's also changed a lot. The Romanian Revolution in terms of like communism happened in 89 i was born in 88 i grew up with kind of the after effects of that and then we moved here when i was nine so it's changed a lot yeah so it's one of those uh weird things where i don't know if i'll i i do not know what it looks like now or if it feels what i think would be home or not or any of that growing up i read a lot of charles simic i think he talks a lot about that a man of no country.
0: I read, did he write a book called Matchsticks, I think? What was it? Matchsticks. Did he write a book called Matchsticks or maybe Matchstick? Oh,
1: he probably did. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't recall it. Gotcha. I, just, I don't care. I don't want attention. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, man, it's been, I'm really bad with titles. I know I read, I think sure. he did probably have written that. Walking the Black Cat. I remember that. That was, that was a good one. It's ironic because there's a black cat in front of me yeah um he kind of deals with like he's from eastern europe and deals with like the superstitions around there yeah black cats very you know <laughs> a lot of things around him <laughs> omens and all of that
0: <laughs> do you feel you hold on to some of the the superstitions you grew up with then
1: yeah it's hard not to yeah it's I'm trying to think at the moment like certain ones, but certain things were like stories. There's a lot of stories of how the universe came to play and all of that. Just like every culture, every culture has its ways of creating stories about belongingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see one of them. I remember my it explains why I'm always in nature, but I grew up on a little farm we didn't have like electricity or running wow. water. But one of the stories my grandfather would tell me was that up and you see the stars. You know, there's just like little holes in the universe that allows you to breathe. Right? <laughs> so when you're in a city, you can't see any stars and you can't breathe because you just don't have to.
0: That seems kind of fitting for uh, where your life has taken you.
1: It is. Yeah. So I go back to that. It's, I don't think, I don't think you can change where you come from.
0: Yeah let's stay with, with kind of the early years too, though, you and I met in grad school and mm-hmm. it's really, really brief too, because you were graduating the same year that I was. So we were doing our graduate reading. And as I recall it though, maybe it was different for your program. I think that they, they picked a handful of us that they felt represented the program. So that was kind of an honor to be picked to read at that, but uh, yeah. yeah. So then read there, I heard you read your, your, poems. And as I recall, you wrote one about, uh, I I want to say Mary Magdalene, maybe I'm wrong, but there was some, there was a spiritual element to it that really caught me almost off guard because I felt like at that particular time that we were going through school, there was not a lot of spiritualism in in writing. I feel like it kind of had taken a, a lull. Do you find that you write a lot of spiritual things or how does that play into how you view the world?
1: I think so. I'm trying to think of the poem I, like, that you were referring to. So long to. ago.
0: I, there's, yeah, if you don't remember, that's completely fine. No,
1: I do. I think there's, there's so many words of what it could be defined as. I mean, it's the same thing with like the story I just said about my grandfather. Mm-hmm. We're all, we all want to be grounded in some way. Yeah. Stories is a way of doing that. Mm-hmm. But I do use a lot of, remember on the project I was working on, I think one of them was, I think I wrote, number of poems about you know the villains of the bible mm. i was always kind of fascinated with, with that idea you know you have you have barabbas mm-hmm. and he was like oh, in place of jesus but it's like you know what choice did he have and also it's like how do you live your life after that yeah and then there was you know it's like you have barabbas you have judas oh Pilate. yeah there's always like you know he i guess he condemned jesus but also you know he was doing his job (laughs) yeah but there's always like i don't know i think it's like grow god there's like Nietzsche like young good and evil Mm -hmm. this idea that's like you can't have good every time we put things into two categories it gets really uh it's it's always a lot more complex than that
0: this role that we play too it's it's interesting because i think that at least for me, I assume that I'll always be on the the good side. Like I'm always going to be one of the good guys, but um, that's certainly not necessarily the case. Sometimes, like you said, you're doing a job and you maybe don't realize.
1: I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are good and have made bad choices. Yes. And there's also probably a lot of, you know, evil people out there that have in one way or the other made choices that were out of kindness. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, I think it's not one or the other. Yeah. I think, yeah, still thinking about a poem. Uh, but yes, yeah, I remember reading about that. That was really nice. Um, yeah.
0: So you you mentioned, kind of, the city feels almost breathless. Like you're you're going to run out of air if you have to be in the city for too long. Um, that's uh, sort of a founding myth that you grow up on, um, and. I wonder uh, how does I mean how much are you surrounded by people right now? Do you do you see people every day? Do you see people once a week? How how frequently are you seeing people, and how important is it to you to be around community?
1: I I do see people, uh, very you know it's a small area, um, so you know Loud County I think it's like a thousand thousand five hundred people and it's made out of composed of like four little towns um joseph has i was living lastine, just the same county that's 200 people oh. joseph has 900 um but people are here i see them but i also do a lot of work that's out in the woods so in the mm-hmm. summer i'll go out and then and kind of stay up there and oh you know i'll probably won't see you all for a week or two yeah. and I'll come back down and go back up there yeah um there's always this funny thing about it people always ask me how I do it it's never it's, it's confusing the question mm-hmm. itself <laughs> yeah I just, I just like being in nature it's indifferent mm-hmm. I think I think maybe being a foreigner maybe moving up here I think you just kind of get a little bit just sick of people's or I guess the things people impose on you yeah so it's kind of liberating doing that yeah but I do have close friends. I have a lot of close friends I always stay in touch with and yeah. um, the community and in terms of how yeah you know, I think that's important
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's I've, I've had that question asked of me at different times how do you do you know X whatever it is that you're doing and I always kind of felt the same as you as it's almost like a, a nonsensical kind of a question. What do you mean how do I do it i, I obviously do it because there's a reward well, in it for me you do it <laughs> yeah exactly I do it by doing it. Yes, um,
1: yeah. When we moved from Romania, we moved to New York City and then oh, wow. Seattle and then Missouri. But it's one of those things where there's not a lot of because people don't really need a lot of people from Romania, but mm-hmm. regardless of where I'm at, people always ask me, how did you end up here? Mm. And you know, that's one of those questions where like, well, if not here, then where?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Now like if, if I was not here and I was somewhere else, I would be asked, how did I end up there? Yeah. So here I am.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it seems like the bias is that uh, somehow you you hit the jackpot by making it to America. Um, and so I think that that's the the implication in that question is how in the world did you wind up here? How did Daniel hit the jackpot? Which I'm sure you have different feelings about that, but.
1: Well, yeah, but you know, it's, it's actually like pretty good phrasing because um, so the way the yeah, so we grew up poor and um, so getting a visa is called the lottery in Romania mm-hmm. because your chances of being accepted or having your visa accepted to come to America are you know just as slim as you winning the lottery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah well, it's kind of a strange story but I think my mom my dad was working eagerly sending money over and um my mom was raising all of us and I think from her way to work to her apartment she always walked by the immigration. Mm-hmm office so Mm -hmm. just randomly she stopped and applied. Wow. So when we actually got accepted, it was a really surprise to everyone. And yeah. One of those things were like, well, do we go or not? Yeah. I think for her it was just one of those acts of desperation.
0: Okay. Wow. So So, and this is, I mean you, you can give me a much fuller um picture of what's going on here but my uh, experience of Romania has uh, kind of two points to it one is my wife's uh, oh. cousin is originally from Romania she was adopted mm-hmm. out of Romania so um i know her um and then when i was growing up we we went to a church and i remember that they were doing an active um missionary presence in Romania they were sending people over from the, the church that I was going to. So I grew up as a young boy thinking that Romania must just be this really depraved place that, you know, had like crap running down the streets and, you know, guns and corruption. And um, I'm I'm sure that it's much more nuanced than that.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's, that's, I think when I came here, as I grew up, I think that's what made me want to write about it. There is a lot of, once again, it's not you know, it's not one or the other. It is a thorough country. Uh, I think people, there's a, you know, there's a lot of orphans, but that has a lot to do with Ceausescu and all those things um, and how, you know, how he dealt with birth control and things like that. Um, I remember in terms of growing Romania, I don't, we never really felt poor. So moving from Romania to New York City and this idea that you're not poor by the things that you have was really absurd to me. Um I think there is there is some tension about missionaries um mm. coming over to help us seems like it's doing more good or it's satisfying their ego. Yeah. But it's not really doing anything for us. Yeah. A lot of those uh you know a lot of those projects are like great, let's uh go up there and build a schoolhouse. You know, like well, yeah you realize the complexity of that because what about the teachers? What about the training? What about the books? What about the things that come after? But nope. He mm-hmm. spent some in Romania and took a bunch of pictures, posted on Facebook, yeah. left, felt there yeah. by yourself. But mm-hmm. those those schoolhouses that are built end up being barns. <laughs> yeah. Because the schoolhouse is composed more of than just a building. It's right. There's an educational system that needs to be put into place. Yeah. And that takes a lot of work, time, mm-hmm. and uh, also dealing with, you know, the bureaucracy of in politics and such mm-hmm. on. So there is that aspect of like the missionaries where we never, I mean, it's not like they didn't do good, but it didn't do anything or it was not really from the way I remember growing up. It was not really us asking for help anyways. I mean, I remember when I, when I wrote a poem about this when we lived in New York and I would go to school. My parents loved that they could like just buy us like shoes, like leather shoes, but they were from Walmart. So people would like make fun of us. So I asked my mom, like, we're at a thrift store, and I asked her if we buy these, like, used Nike shoes, and she was so confused. She's like, why? She's like, I have, she's like, you have, we bought you really good shoes from Walmart. I'm like, no, mom, that doesn't, no, that's not the same. <laughs> and it's trying to explain to her that. So there is that difference of, like, how we see wealth and what we'll makes someone poor or not. And now having, driving Mercedes doesn't necessarily make you rich, but people love the idea that they like what they buy into if you have shoes on your feet doesn't matter where they come from that's shoes on your feet but that's not enough you have to have a brand of shoes on your feet and then that's you know that with like social class so that was very interesting for me to find out about and then it's i never really knew i was poor until i came to America. because i was like oh wow i guess i was poor but what what does make one poor not having a brand or not having you know tvs for us it was It was more about the necessities of, you know, running water and warmth and shelter and those things. Everything else is, you can find ways to enjoy the life around you and the life that you have without everything else.
0: It's kind of amazing just hearing you sort of like process through Romania and how much it seems to me to make sense about why you're doing what you're doing right now, being out in the woods, because you found that um, poverty is really a, a state of mind. and that sounds so trite when I say it. So I don't I don't want to sum it up like that, but you' you're living with a very small amount of possessions because you have uh, a wealth of, of experience and you're in a place to you that feels full and rich and endlessly, uh, able to be explored
1: yeah i mean i think so i think mean, nature has a lot to offer and i think mean, it's you know right you can't a machine there's folks people it's you know seeing the world through american eyes doesn't you know doesn't just because people don't have what people have here doesn't make them poor necessarily mm-hmm. it just means they have less but they're okay with that and then not they don't much want more they idea that, like we should always have more how many how many versions of iPhones are there too many mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's always interesting of people get so focused on make sure to have the newer one because it, it's once again, it's a status symbol. It's sure it does slightly better things, but yeah, what's the point? You can make mm. a phone call on it. Yeah. Oh.
0: Do you know what I'm scared of, though? And it, it, everything that you're talking about, and I, I think like I want to make the the leap and go out, um, not completely uninformed either, though. So I spent a long time working in wilderness therapy for troubled teens. Um, so I lived out in Duchesne, Utah, for a pretty long time and Vernal, Utah, and areas like that, Dinosaur, Colorado. Not unfamiliar with low impact camping and just spending a lot of time in the woods, and yet what I'm afraid of, what I'm scared of, that keeps me from taking the family, packing up and, and sort of living closer to the land is that I'm going to get Alzheimer's. And I'm afraid of having Alzheimer's and having to, to live in an old folks home. That really scares me. So I want to have a ton of money so that like, I don't have to go to some state run facility where they let me sit in a crappy diaper all day. And I, I, I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. I, I
1: Right. That's yeah. That's like an interesting, yeah. It's a I mean, it's an interesting question not even question or just dilemma because i think we all have that yeah i don't know i don't if you have alzheimer's i don't know what the mind's gonna do to you you know isn't like isn't memory loss a thing with alzheimer's yeah and are you even of- gonna know like do you even know are you even gonna know the difference of how fancy of a facility you're in or where you're at
0: that's a good question i'm not sure i'm not sure
1: you, you know you could but it is about yeah like who takes care of you when you're old yeah and that's another thing that's like really fascinating to me is that you know different cultures have different fears and different ideologies and different states of mind of how they kind of perceive all of that yeah both both of my grandparents uh both of my grandfathers died much earlier than my grandmothers mm. both of my grandmothers refused you know they they woke up They went fed the chickens, Hmm. milked the cows, Hmm. and we were like, well, someone needs to look after you. And they're like, no, if I don't do this, then I might as well be dead. Like, this is the life, and I'm here, and this is what I'm going to do. And this idea, I mean, this idea of death is seen differently to in Eastern Europe. We're very futile. We accept the idea of death very easily, sometimes too easily. And I argued that with my, my, uh, my mom got cancer and it was really hard to convince her to go on chemo. And mm. because to her, she was like, no, this is what happens. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, Romania me, because of its poverty has a lower, what you call like a living, the average of the living person there is like, you know, I guess some things like 65, 70. But so
0: fairly high, like a, a, the prognosis for it was good that you would live well yes. no for her it's no. like I
1: mean, she's like 60, 60 oh okay like, so she's you know she's like well this is what happens yeah you die <laughs> like, this this is what happens and yeah you now the only way we can convince her to go get chemo and all that was uh was because mom dave and my youngest brother was mm. still in college more like look we all we saw all of us be established we're like be there for david wow and she was okay okay wow. like, yeah, okay wow <laughs> But it's the idea of, it, you know, here, yeah, this idea of dying is just kind of something that is very much accepted mm-hmm. when it happens. Hmm. And I don't have any medical records. We never went to a hospital. Once again, it probably does have to do with, well, with everything else around there. But yeah, no, that's something else that's different to how people here perceive that and how people perceive that in other cultures. Hmm. And kind of how, yeah, it does it does change how you make choices and how you live your life.
0: Yeah, I find that I'm at a little bit of a strange crossroads in my life right now. Um, So I had this belief and I I don't know, uh, we can can actually talk about it here in a sec too. I'd be interested to find out, but I went to get my MFA because I thought, uh, okay, if I get accepted into an MFA, I will meet somebody who will be able to connect me to the publishing industry. And if I meet somebody in the publishing industry, then the book that I have will get published. And once I have a published book, I can go out and read to people and I'll make money as a published author because that's just what's going to happen for me. And so I think I had this idea that MFA was a direct route to uh, life as a professional published fiction writer. Um, and obviously that's been um, anything but true. In fact, I... Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk to everyone else, that graduated from a MFA.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah.
2: It exactly. is
1: weird. I don't, there is something that, I found really strange about the mfa programs and Mm -hmm. i don't to me like now it's like i have that manuscript that came out of it and you know i do need to go back to it and do some edits and send it out i'll Mm -hmm. do that on my own time there's something i you know the whole mfa program is not this idea that you go through it and you once you're done you're going to be published and it kind of also questions like your or people's means of what they have to say and why um Mm -hmm. why why would why why is it that you think you have something so important to say and why why is that relevant a lot of the classes in mfa was were based around this idea of like generating ideas Mm -hmm. for material for and if you don't think you have anything to say then just don't
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely now
1: we we everyone has something to say it just got mm-hmm. really i don't know just just got kind of silly yeah and i sound like an asshole right now but like yeah. great you don't have anything to say but you can write good sentences that's okay but that going through this program and now it's like and also it's like once you graduate you have to be published That's bizarre that's not mm-hmm. how life works and it's not i don't think how art works or Then creativity comes from the way you live your life. So it's like live life. And then maybe it'll give you something to write about. And you have the skills that you've gained from the MFA program to do so. But jumping right into the whole, let's just write. Well, it's become very academic. It's like, great. I can write this really insightful poem about a chair, but who gives a shit? (laughs) You know, because academia is kind of that where you don't like, that's your life. So what else are you gonna say that's interesting? Well, and it was always lacking that. Just and there's people, I met mean, some really cool people and <laughs> and when I graduated, I never, you know, I I've wrote for like Nowhere magazine and um I think I can I spend the time I can publish the book what came from it because i am proud of what i did because i went there because i felt like i had something to say in terms of like living in romania mm-hmm. and communism and kind of i thought i had a story yeah and once i graduated that story is still there but i feel like i was like i did my part and now you know i'll make do with that when it's fitting and when i have the energy for it to like finish yeah the the rest of it which is you know is which is sending it out and that's always really frustrating and dealing with that whole publishing world um but yeah I think afterwards it's just people I don't know you gotta live somehow and right from that I think it's like I don't you gotta find something unique to you that nature inspires me to write so So, yeah, I placed myself around it. That was like one of those things I was kind of like irritating me about the MFA programs. Is it's not there to make you a writer. It's there to give you the tools to be a good writer, but you still have to have something. Yeah, <laughs> you still have to have a life that you know you, you can talk about. I know people that went through their MFA PhD. So it's like you're 30 years old and you know a lot about a lot. That you've read from books but what do you know about living because you've just been you just know and it's not like you don't but it's like you've just lived in academia yeah and it's i don't know i think it's just and mfa programs have just like exploded and it just created this bubble i think it's just kind of created this bubble where everyone it's like you have to be part of it and you get published by doing that and then it's like everyone pats you on the back and that's that little bubble. But I don't know what has to do with writing or being able to actually like experience things and relating to those.
0: Well, and and probably one of the biggest things, one of my, I mean, many frustrations, but one of the biggest problems was they, they didn't actually spend a lot of time talking you through the actual art of getting published. So um, it was almost as if at least um, at Eastern Washington, they kept that a secret from you. Like uh, we're not, we're going to tell you how to actually go out and get published. There was never any classes or um, anything offered to say like, this is how you find an agent. Um, so when you're ready oh, to submit no. your manuscript. No. Like,
1: I mean, I think it's just yeah. kind of like up in the air.
0: Yeah. And that seems like if you're going to get a master's degree in something, they probably should give you an idea of how you're supposed to do the, the, the actual professional side of it.
1: Well, I don't think they have an idea either. Yeah. Because I, think the thing is, I mean, the thing about it is that, Going through an MFA program does not make you a good writer. Right. You have the tools, but there's still create, you know, I can go take painting classes or music classes, and I'm terrible at like playing (laughs) instruments. That doesn't, that's not going to make me be able to create a piece of art that people would want to listen to. Right. Well, sure, hope to God not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's no, it's, there's just that, there's, yeah, that kind of delusion and, I mean, I got really frustrated with publishing and I haven't like even tried to publish a lot because even when you go to on to the journals and mm-hmm. on their website, they they ask you for your background in terms of like where'd you get your MFA? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean, like I read a lot of artists and poets that I really love that have never been or had mm-hmm. an MFA. So it's really shitty that now. For you even send something to publish, they want to know like what's your like what MFA program did you come from? Oh, did mm-hmm. you come from Iowa State? They're like, okay, maybe we don't like this poem, but oh, they came from fucking Iowa State. Let's fucking, I guess we'll publish it. But it's it's absolutely I'm like, it's irrelevant. Why are you asking me that? Here's my poems. Do you like them?
0: them? Yep.
1: And go from there. So it's 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 silly. It's, yep. I don't know. I've it's, it always it always irritating me.
3: Hi, my name is John Copenhaver, and I'm going to tell you about my new novel, The Savage Kind, which is my homage to the femme fatale, the sympathetic coming-of-age story I think she deserves. It's 1948, and Philippa Watson, a good-natured yet troubled 17-year-old, has just moved to Washington, D.C. She's lonely until she meets Judy Peabody, a brilliant and tempestuous classmate. The girls become unlikely friends and fashion themselves as intellectuals, drawing the notice of Christine Martins, their dazzling and seductive English teacher. When Philippa returns a novel Miss Martins has lent her, she interrupts a man grappling with her in the shadows. Frightened, Philippa flees, unsure who the man is or what she's seen. Days later, her teacher returns to school altered, a dark shell of herself. On the heels of her teacher's transformation, a classmate is found dead in the Anacostia River, murdered. As the girls follow the clues and wrestle with newfound feelings toward each other, they suspect that the killer is closer to their circle than they imagined. And that the greatest threat they face may not be lurking in the halls at school or in the city streets, but creeping out from a murderous impulse of their own.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that, that goes back kind of to the beginning of this piece of the conversation is, is that I decided... Um, to, to kind of like change everything up. Cause it became clear to me that MFA was not the road to publication. And that, um, unfortunately writing a book is not, and finding an agent does not, Um, there are so many steps to getting published now. And I'm not, I'm not going to speculate on why I can't get a book deal. It might be that my book is just not good enough. And I have to accept that, but I've had an agent for two years and we can't find a home. And so I said, I want to create a community of people who have stories to tell, because I don't, I don't want there to be a gate anymore. If people really have a story, like you said, I want people to be able to tell their story. And that's, that's the inspiration for this is that we need different ways to tell stories where we can actually get people to hear, because you don't write poems exclusively for yourself. If, if you want to be really altruistic, you might claim that that's the case, but you write your poems because you want other people to read them and connect to a mood or a belief, or an insight yes. that you've had in your life.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really cool what you're doing. Because, I mean, when I when I graduated, I still write. I always write. I, just, yeah. I have all these poems. I have, like, a whole other manuscript. And like I said to me, when I have the time and patience to deal with that, I'll do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm completely okay with saying that. Maybe I'm just too immature hmm. to deal with the publishing. You know, people are like, just step it up. I mean, this whole idea is it's not easy for anyone. Yeah. So it's not like I just expect it to like send palms out. So, but when I have the patience to do all of that, I'll do it. Um, but in the meantime, I think what I did was just get away from myself. And I think, mm. I mean, that was the, I mean, that's the thing about MFA programs and it's just people and they, they think they have something to say. And sometimes man they there's some really great writers and they have really great stories and Mm -hmm. there's also people it's like you just don't have anything to say yeah but it's only because you've never put yourself in places or experienced things to allow you to have anything to say and it is cliche and but also it's like the focus on the self so when i got out of the mfa program i got tired about writing. like in terms of i'm like it's like why is it always my feelings you know Hmm. or my story so I started translating a book oh wow uh, a poetry book from Romania because that's awesome capitalism not capitalism but I mean communism really fucked up creativity and there's a lot of really great books and really great poets that write in Romanian and so it's like you know if this is what I care about then it shouldn't always be about my how I feel about something
2: like if
1: I started writing because I want to talk about Romania in terms of communism and kind of like the things that happened there that not a lot of people know about and Hmm. there's poets that are there that have written really amazing books about it and Hmm. they're just you know they're just not translating to English so, so how it, how
0: did you find the book to to translate? Tell me a little bit about it.
1: Well, I did a lot of Googling and yeah. a lot of reading and found a book that I was like, yeah, I, this, is, this is a book I'd like to translate.
2: Hmm.
1: So yeah, his name is Nikolai Kwadnik. It was nice. It was nice of being engaged in literature, being engaged with language and it's not about you. Hmm. I think a lot of things about once it's like with the mfa program people it's just they want to be about them like great now i have an mfa i should get published i should say yeah. no because you're missing the idea that this thing's you know art is not about you it's about sharing and relating things and sometimes i got tired of trying like sit down and i'm out in the woods and like, nature's indifferent to anything i have to say mm. which i think i'd find it very liberating just mm-hmm. doesn't care so so I was like, i'll i focus you know like yeah i'll focus on translating and it's it was great um yeah we were able to we
0: contact language. the the writer does he does he know that you're working on translating or yeah
1: yeah he does know and this somebody else and then i got busy and so it's still kind of like an ongoing process but yeah he's aware and we've kept in touch because That's very cool.
0: So you're speaking fluently then, and I'm I'm really sorry. It shows my ignorance, but is a Romanian, the actual language as well, or what's the the language? Yeah, no, it's
1: Romanian. It
0: is Romanian. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's, no one learns Romanian because it's, Mm -hmm. there's only one country.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: If you learn Spanish, you can go to a lot more countries.
0: Yeah. Yeah, If you learn Romanian,
1: you can only go to Romania.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's sad too, though, uh, because it, it does kind of deprive you of something that's probably pretty cool. Is that, are you able to stay fluent in Romanian because of your family and that connection? Or is it something that you just decided was too important to lose?
1: Well, I think both. So okay. I speak Romanian my family and um, I read Romanian. And then it was also that I just, I mean, that's why I even want to do translating. It's the way language works in your head is, you know, it's, The summer asks, what's this for Romanian? I'm like, what is it? What is it? But if I see it, I know it. Mm, Okay. So I started reading a lot more Romanian because it just brings it all back up. Yeah. Um, And it's also just a gorgeous language. I mean, a lot of the way, I mean, the way my poems are structured uh, in terms of images and what people like, it's just kind of based on the language structure of Romania and so romanian is actually like one of the is, well it is the closest speaking language to latin
0: Ah, i didn't know um, that.
1: and it's one of the five romantic languages okay and i've had teachers that uh, knew latin that could read romanian and kind of get an idea of what was being wow Written. so all the root words and all that is just telling hmm. the history of that language and it's just really fascinating
2: hmm.
1: i think Like I said, I mean, when I came here, I got, I started writing poetry, not because I like thought I had something to say, but because I just got really fascinated with languages. Hmm. When we moved here, we didn't, we didn't know how to speak English. I wasn't, I didn't learn English before I came here. And so being here and seeing how people communicated really made me very curious about why. Mm-hmm. And wanting to understand that it remains a lot different of how things are stated and very more blunt. And that's also like because of the culture. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, you know, being at school and you're like, how are you? Mm-hmm. yes asked somebody how they are in Romania. We're going to spend like the next two hours because <laughs> they're like, well, you asked me. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: here it's like, it's like, how are you? No, I'm good. And mm-hmm. you look at their faces and it's like, you're not good. Right. Like something's going on. Mm-hmm. But why say that? Yeah. All right. You know, just say, I'm not good. Mm-hmm. But you can tell when, you know, things are going on with people and you're worried and you ask, and the answer they give you is not what you perceive. So that kind of paradox was really fascinating about how things are communicated. So it sounds like
0: part of it is, is that you feel like there's an ability to hide inside of the English language, but there's also uh, a cultural thing of people hiding. Um, who they are, as almost like a, a culture, like it feels like the, the United States or people in America don't want to be forthcoming.
1: I think so. I mean, my brother, my youngest brother, was born here. He mm-hmm. was conceived for Romania, but he was born here. So when my mom got cancer, um, she, like, one of her goals was to take him back to Romania. Hmm. I mean, he grew up his whole life about our stories and this country that he's never seen. Mm. So she, uh, so they went back to Romania. Oh, awesome! Um, it was really, and he also writes, which is a, he's actually a great. He's a better poet than I am. Hmm. Uh, not that I am good, but
0: I think you're a great poet,
1: and that would make him a fucking genius. <laughs> now he's an amazing writer because well, this gets really complex because you know that this thing of us trying to immerse ourselves in American culture. And then yet here's this, here's him, always confused about why we do the things we do within like the family. He understands the culture. Mm-hmm. He understands we, when we're at home as where we feel okay, because we all know where we come from and we have the understanding of the way we were brought up and raised and what we saw. And, and he goes out, he understands the world going out comes back and is confused what why we do the things we do <laughs> because so when he went back to Romania, it was he said he it gave him, I think it really made him understand like that. Yeah, I mean, he said, I mean, Romanians we always speak very bluntly and we always want to say what is being communicated mm-hmm. in a very direct way. So it was, it was really cute. I mean, he was like, It's not, I live with a bunch of assholes. Uh, <laughs> But he's like, no, I just realized that's just how people talk in Romania. Hmm, that's funny. And I think he had a story where he said he went to this restaurant to eat uh, right before they were closing and he went in and he was like, hey, so are you guys closing? Is it okay if I eat? You know, and the person was, hey, we're still open. Do you want to eat or not? Because otherwise, like, you're just like, come on. Don't, like, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you walked up to here because you want to eat. So yes Let's we get are some closing food. so if, yeah. but don't you know it's like a very direct way of saying yeah yes cool you're being considerate but who cares we're a restaurant that's open hours, yeah. we'll and we're still open so do yeah. you want food or not like <laughs> let's get to the point
0: <laughs> that is so funny though because i completely understand where he's coming from that sense of like that's that's always how we live our life here it feels like you always uh even though the restaurant's open i mean you're like oh it's only open for another 10 minutes i mean they're yeah, you're like, oh,
1: like maybe they're like stoves are closing i don't yeah. know in mean, romania yeah. it's just like nope we're st- well it's the door's open yeah but so do you want food or not <laughs> yeah yep and he was just like really taken back but it's it is just Yeah, but even, like, the language itself is really interesting because, I mean, if you look at language as a tool, there's a reason why Latin is, like, lends itself to poetry, Mm -hmm. just by how words are attached to each other. You know, Mm -hmm. if if language was a tool, Latin is a really good tool Mm -hmm. to use for seeing things, so much depth in solar space with so many layers of, like, of meaning. Um, so, like translating, it's you take one line of Romanian poem and it's like a paragraph. To try to like get all that depth in a way that's not that's actually re, like relays that. It's just, I mean it's it's just been a it's just been there for a long time. It's been really perfect at it. the way you attach pronouns and the way you structure a sentence just yeah. creates a like you can just be very very clear and also just a lot of meaning and layers of what mm-hmm. is being said so that was the cool thing of translating um yeah like for Romantic english hmm. the english language can get really cluttered at times yes
0: yeah. one of my favorite things about the english language is um i don't know if puns is exactly the word but things like puns i really enjoy um does romanian have like what kind of playfulness does does the romanian language have that's similar
1: yeah there's a lot of it um yeah but i think it's see but then that's the same thing where it's like it lends itself to knowing the culture and that goes for english too because those things about me growing up here of puns i don't understand them until i start knowing you know like american culture and yeah you're absolutely like, oh, that's that's why it's what's going on yes okay and it remains the same thing there's cons but they wouldn't make any sense unless you were part like really immersed in the culture almost right yeah, yeah. like what's up seriously i just looked up <laughs> think about it i don't know yeah. anything i don't know any english i just know word so what is up i'm like you look up <laughs> that's one way because and then you've realized that's a, uh, that's not what it's asking you.
0: <laughs> and I think it's funny too. I grew up taking uh Spanish in, in high school. I, I tried several times to learn the language more deeply um, for one reason or another. I just quit on it. And I'd like to one day be fluent. It's a language I love a lot of my favorite authors are Spanish language authors. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that, that same kind of sense of like, I always, I always wondered like, uh, they don't actually say what's up. So like K-PASA doesn't actually mean what's up, but that's how we translate it so that we can understand right. what's actually being explain. asked.
1: Right. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so. we have like Romania has its like ways of being like what's up, but it's not mm-hmm. what's up.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you translate it, then you translate it into the English and it... It takes away actually it takes away the culture if you're not really careful. Um, and that's something you haven't talked a ton about, but that that's gotta be really challenging in translating from Romanian into English is trying to somehow preserve the cultural importance of, of the Yeah, writer.
1: No, it is because I mean the way when you look at language, you realize that based on that country's history, every word has a connotation that comes with it. And so when you translate that word directly into English, that connotation does not exist because that word does not have that same history and like weight to that word. So then you have to find, mm-hmm. you know, the right word to replace it with. Yeah. I mean, language is kind of like our history, and certain words are a lot heavier in Romanian, but if you directly translate them in English, it, it doesn't carry that impact doesn't carry like why those words have that depth when you read it as a Romanian so you find mm-hmm. you kind of try to find that and the same thing goes for America mm-hmm. um you know like mm-hmm. in terms of its history and certain phrases if you were to translate that you know it wouldn't carry like that historical context of why it it get like it has that reaction you have to like find and do your best and you know it's it's really hard it's i mean and then there's of yeah. course like rhythm and it's like how do you keep that and then but no i think some way i'm like i feel like everyone should try to translate one poem just because yeah because to me is one of those things to where i just I think after leaving the MFA, I just got so tired of everyone talking about their own fucking shit, and that's all they ever want to talk about, <laughs> and their problems. Like, how do I express? And like, there's a world out there where I just wanted to, like, I love language, I love writing, but like, mm-hmm. I can engage in a way that it's not just like about, like, what, like, what I want to say. Everyone has things to say all the time. We know that. What, like, what do other people have to say? Like, how else, how else does somebody? how else does a writer engage with the art outside of themselves? And a lot of times that's that, that lacks in writers. They, they see, you see their selves as the most eminent thing and their reaction to the world Hmm. is what needs to be portrayed. But everyone feels that way. I feel
0: a little bit guilty. Like, I don't even know if guilty is, I like hearing you talk because it's such a different perspective from the world that I'm surrounded by. And I think, it's not going to change for me necessarily, but it is very true that I am infatuated with my voice. And I definitely want the world to hear my voice well,
1: um, for better or worse. It you in some way, but I guess I think yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I get I that sense. I think fame and all that, like, I don't like everything that's happened in Romania and like with Trump and all like different political things. I really want to write about Romania because the things that happened there were, protests yeah and it was all based off like nationalism and and seeing those i just want to see i just wanted to write something to portray something relate something mm-hmm. to prevent history from like repeating itself
0: so are you saying you saw some parallels in in what you saw with trump and and how things were in romania at a time that was well, scary
1: romania Romania, I, I don't,
0: I'm not trying to put words no, in Romania is the
1: last of the Roman Empire. So when the Roman Empire fell, generals and and they all... That's why Romania is the only Latin-based language in Eastern Europe. Gotcha. So we are like the last of the Roman blood. That in self lends to a lot of ego. <laughs> well, it's pretty fucking special. Yeah. Have you heard about the Roman Empire? <laughs> we used to like... Is <laughs> it did pretty... Yeah, I, I think yeah. I've heard of it before. Yeah. So, you know, Ceaușescu ran off this idea of <laughs> make Romanian Rome again. <laughs> well, yeah. Sadly, it's literally that easy of a contrast. But it was about like the pure blood. Like it's like we have Hungarians coming in, we have gypsies. No, we gotta keep the pure blood. Making America great. It's not it's 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 nationalism and nationalism. It's like, right. why do you forget all the atrocities done? It's like, what's so great? You want to make America great again at the expense of what made America great before? Oh, manifest destiny right. and all these things that other people have suffered. So in Romania, mm-hmm. gypsies were very heavily persecuted. I mean, hmm. when you look at World War II, you know, Romania persecuted, fuck, when you look at Germany, it's like Germany and some other country in Romania of how quickly they want to, like, get rid of those people. And so it's like, at what expense are you trying to recreate something? And America's like, at what expense are we trying to recreate something? Without even acknowledging our own past of why, like, what? you know, what, what is it about America that is great? We don't ask that, and it's not to say it's not great but we don't ask that. Is it how, Mm -hmm. what is it about it? It's great.
0: Yeah. And like everything that we've talked about so far, the, the complexity of what makes it great is really strange too, because I think part of the greatness is the ability to have a vast spectrum of wealth. Um, there, there are people who can accumulate a bunch of things and feel really great about that. And there are people who can live with nothing. Um, and, I know that the government is broken in many ways and that there's never been a perfect way to run it. But in most cases, you can be any level of uh, poverty that you want and you can get access to assistance. And that's a pretty cool country because there's not a lot of places that that exist that way. So maybe part of that is what makes America great. But then you could look at so many other different metrics that that make it great. It's certainly not the, the church. It's certainly not donald trump it's certainly not loud microphones and hot dogs and things of that
1: nature. i agree with you i don't because as a foreigner it's so easy i mean that's like where i grew up what where you know it's like what i say it's, i mean it's like living in Missouri you know it's like it's like if you don't like it just go back where you came from you know it's yeah. like you're seeing something from an outside view and it's like fine i guess i don't have anything to say um so it's not saying that america is not great it's 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 the word again that's like i think that's like let's make america great again that that is like that dangerous word you know we can all be great but again is one of those words that well it just kind of lends itself to calling for well arrogance it's being stuck in nostalgia like I used, to be, I used to be pretty fucking awesome when I was in high school, and then I yeah. wasn't, but it's like, I'm not going to live my life trying to be the person I was in high school with my whole life, right? That's not, that's not what makes, that made me great. That's not what would make me a good person now. That's like the same person right. that they score a winning touchdown in football when they're in high school, mm-hmm. and now that's all they have. And that's all they want to go to. And you can't. So it's like, let's make America great again. You can't go back and do it. I don't know. It's just a very kind of eerie and slippery slope of that mentality. Anyways, Ceausescu, he kind of, you know, he was like, let's make Romania great again. Uh, You know, a few years later, he was like pulling fingers and nails off of pliers. And um, gun control, Ceausescu had he he every typewriter we didn't have computers of course uh he had every typewriter registered so he knew exactly where every typewriter was because that's how ideas spread so every time there's templates or something he knew exactly where so that's like real like you know it's like like i don't care about Mm -hmm. control like i'm more worried about where the ideas are coming from
0: freedom of speech that's to me. That's actually the most scary thing that that I think that we dance around a lot too much right now in America is freedom of speech. I don't I don't believe uh, that we even actually have freedom of speech anymore. And I think that most people don't realize what's happened. You know, I believe that no, most people don't understand that they
1: lost we it. We have freedom of um, speech. I think I think we still do. Yeah. I think when you don't, you'll know it because you're behind bars. Yeah. Sadly, yeah, that. OK, so, like so I That's understand like where you're play coming play from. It happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I see where you're coming from. And I agree with you that there are two different ways to tackle this. My belief, though, is that that we live now in a time where you can be shut down if you say something that they don't want you to say. Um, they can take you off of social media. They can marginalize your voice. They can take you off of the media sites, CNN. They can fire you. They can cancel you. And the problem is, is that I think America has started to realize, or the the media has realized, or the political, or the business institutions, whoever it is, has started to realize that you can have plenty of noise and dissenting opinions, but as long as everything is extremely radicalized, um, you can control the direction of things. And that's that's I think where we're losing our freedom of speech. I don't think we're losing like you did in Romania. I think that that's a different thing, and I would not like that in any way that that would feel worse as a person but it's almost like getting put to sleep here it's almost like they're giving you sleeping drugs now and you don't realize that if you actually wanted to say something radical um if you gained enough momentum they could just
1: yeah everything about that kind of i don't know it's kind of like um i mean it's like i said being born when i was in romania and where i came after communism, it was this idea of, like, how, like, my parents don't talk about it. They're ashamed. Because, like, how do we let this happen? If it happened so thoroughly, you don't even know how.
0: Yeah, And by hmm. how, I mean, like, like, did they vote for him? And then, or you know, enough,
1: you, you, I mean, in, as a, like, nationalism, and, but, you mm-hmm. know, it became, well, it became a very brutal dictatorship. But, you can Google Romania, Ceausescu and it like the revolution was one of the revolutions in Eastern Europe. Um, his methods were, I mean, it was, his means of manipulation were like bizarre. Uh, America loved him as they oh, called geez. him our friend in the East. And that was before like the iron wall came down, but it was just like, in terms of like how he manipulated uh, certain things for example, he would start, you know, this. so there was like the Cold War. So he would Mm -hmm. start fake revolutions to where the American government would send them money to help, you know, bring down the fall of communism. And I mean, it just went to him. (laughs) He was just very good at knowing to manipulate and have Mm -hmm. control. So it was kind of really (laughs) interesting person. But even like the way he was persecuted and everything, it's just so bizarre. Oh. The hardest part about I think, living after that whole thing was fatalism, which is like Romanian literature and everything, and they kind of ingrained in that. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, now, yeah, you do what it, it's like, you have no control. Life yeah. is what it is. It's like, great. You're old, you die. <laughs> or this people, but how that happened was just very interesting. But, but when you look at Roman's history in terms of all it's it just went through a lot so as people you realize that your own personal sense of happiness is what you make it and this bigger powers at play are just always going to be there why just enjoy the day that you have but Hmm. it's really frustrating though because it enables you to be enables enables you to be very complacent so Kind of, it's always been like Mm -hmm. very frustrating. Well, it's kind of interesting talking to my parents about kind of all of that. It's also like why I do what I do, though. It's always like, it's there's always a question of like what is happening and you in the face of it and what you're doing about causes that you care about and your role in that and Mm -hmm. what and also just your personal sense of happiness and is it cowardly? to not care. Like, are you turning your back towards something? If everyone did that, is that why these problems exist? It's, you know, it's, I mean, it's when you look at like a Buddhism, you know, the world is suffering, but just turning your back to it really does anything? Like, should that really be some sort of spirituality to not care? <laughs> it's kind of those yeah. things. And I have those things because, I don't know, I think here I am in the woods that's far away from shit, so I don't have to care.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I I it's interesting too. I, I want to talk about that and we can we can save it if you want or we can uh, jump into it now. But one of the things that's always fascinated me about your work is there's a balance between um you're you're out there uh thinning forests, cutting down trees. I don't know a ton. I don't know if you've read Dennis Johnson. Yeah, he wrote a, a book Johnson. called Train yeah. Dreams. He talks a lot about uh
1: No, I do yeah. too. Yeah. I love,
0: yeah. love Dennis Johnson. I love train dreams. Yeah. And I'm I'm really curious about your experience. Um Logging the dangers of it, why you got into it, yeah, what uh, what keeps you doing it.
1: I don't really, I think, to some extent, I think it's just a way, just a means of being where I want to be. Um, right now, I do a lot more thinning, um, but I just Mm -hmm. go out there and I'm, I'm like some of the most gorgeous areas, and I'm there for weeks, and I don't, it's all just me, I don't have to work for anyone, I don't have to listen to anyone or you know and i've kind of done a kind of done a pretty good job of having good you know people call me all the time so of having work and i do i think i i mean i do care about nature and to extend that you now I, I walk mm-hmm. through with landowners and we're we'll looking at their property and it's kind of like here's the trees i need to go and I mean, they trust me and we always have like a kind of an agreement of what how we, everyone's always going to see nature differently and we always have an agreement of what's best and it's good. It's, all these things are, you know, everything I'm doing is, is because it's it's things that need to be done because of the presence of humans. And what I'm doing mm-hmm. is going through a property and taking out all the trees that a fire would, all the unhealthy trees. I'm, I'm just, it's like, I'm mm-hmm. I mean fires yeah. in the northwest which I'm sure you know it's the ecology of it it's it's yeah it's always going to be it's it, they, nature depends on it you have storms that move in you have dry lightning even ponderosas even they're like cones need a certain temperature like the actual need fire to like open up it's it's very very healthy for a forest, except then with the presence of humans those fires have not allowed to be hap- like happening. So then there's more and more fuel. So when they do happen, mm-hmm. they are more destructive in their nature.
0: That's been something that has been really confusing to me is that, um, I know, I know one argument I hear a lot and, and this is more California too, cause you don't see the burns quite as big outside of California, but that idea of if you don't thin it, then, um, you know, it's, it's just going to burn out of control and California won't allow anybody to thin the forest. So I, I don't really know all of the politics behind it or what exactly is going on. Um, but it does, it does make me sad in certain ways. I've always been, uh, I guess, a proponent of logging. I think that logging is a good thing.
1: Yeah. I think so the it's done because it's, we don't let it burn. So what like that fuel is just yeah. there. I don't, the things like I don't even think about in terms of logging or, um, Anything else, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, they're like desperate. I mean, you have pines that are like growing sideways and just to reach sunlight. And you guys realize, like, when you have like this many trees, growing mm-hmm. growing this closely together, uh, they're depleting the soil of nutrients. They're not even getting sunlight. I mean, you have a mm-hmm. pine that's growing like like an oak. A pine should be up and down. That's like the healthy way. But it shows they're level of like frustration or like desperation to survive in this habitat mm-hmm. so i go through when i go down and create gotcha. like the spacing it's like i mean fires come through and that's what they do but we don't have fires coming through because there's okay. people in homes
0: gotcha so they're putting the fires out before the right. fires can do but now the fires there's not so much fuel has been
1: added out that well it's just extreme fire conditions to where it just burns everything and doesn't really even leave and healthy forest behind.
0: Is your is your perspective that California and places like that will eventually burn back to a healthy place? Or do you think that you can drive it beyond recovery because of what Honestly, we do. have <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't even, I, it's everything, everything we thought we knew. Things like nature is such a fragile ecosystem. Uh, every time we try to fix something, 20, 50 years down the road, we found out just how we fucked it up in some way so i don't know i yeah. don't know
0: yeah introducing a species to try to like uh get things leveled out and you realize that that species right. then becomes the predator yeah. that completely so wipes three I other mean, ones out
1: and that's the weird part i always think about this where you know it's you know are we are we part of this or not it's always a very interesting question and we're not you know Nothing mm. nature has a level of consciousness the way we do. So it's, you know, mm. our role here. It's like, what, what do we do? Everything else? I mean, if you take humans out, nature will fix itself. But it really seems to be struggling mm-hmm. with our presence. And that's like, I was like, yeah. a very complex question. But a lot of what's yeah. happening is because our presence, the fact that we as a race exist we're here and our present has is changing a lot of things. I don't know what to do with that. I don't think a lot of people, I don't know if anyone knows, but just, I guess being as mm. conscious as you can be.
0: I was up in Crescent city, California, and they've got uh, enormous groves of redwood trees out there. And for me, that was probably the, One of the most, and it remains, I knew at the time that it was something unique in my life, but it has remained one of the most important experiences I've had was being in a grove of redwoods. Something about those trees, like the way that they hold silence, you can't hear a lot of birds. You can't hear animals. It's like, there's just this cathedral kind of silence inside those forests. And looking at those trees being underneath them was one of the most profound, humbling things I ever experienced. And- Every time I hear about burns, I'm I'm always just you know, sad like woods, we're it's, going it's to destroy just, those.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's like no really any way of explaining it. It's it's really strange. Landing up here, I find I find stumps that are like oh four to five feet in diameter that have been cut down. So it's mm-hmm. you know, there used to be really big, big trees here. But we cut them down. Mm-hmm. So there's there's I mean that's like one way of saying like that's how logging it's not good because you do realize mm. for a logging company and you cut down one of these big trees, that's mm-hmm. the equivalent of cutting down like 50 smaller trees. Just really profitable. It is. So when it's <laughs> yeah, done exactly. at that, I mean, then, yeah, I know people that do logging and selective logging where it's really well done and takes out of the trees that you need to go. And, mm-hmm. But the thing about that is that that's not going to make you rich, but they like they do it yeah. like. like being the woods and it's you know it gets you by but then there's doesn't matter what it is then there's just the people that just want to make money and they go in and they'll they'll fucking take every big tree and i don't know clear cuttings like it's very complex all those things are but that's like what we're talking about before that's why when i start writing about like yeah like the villains it's there's it's never like that's good that's bad there's everything's always in between and we love to put things into categories and i think that's what's been kind of been looking at it's like you know it's not those categories are not even they're not even representative of anything but it creates extremes right and it creates friction so
0: just a quick shorthand to to be able to identify so you can decide whether you're in that crowd or this crowd
1: because it's easy to have two options it's yeah. interesting
0: but you know i've been a little bit scared of of this podcast for that reason actually as i've i've had conversations with my wife um i've had uh a fairly large variety of guests so far people with very different points of view um and there's part of me that's like i literally can see people listening to this podcast and relating to it and then listening to um the the lady who told me the ghost story and being like, I can never listen to that podcast again because that person's point of view is so nauseating. So you're, nauseating so you're dealing with mean,
1: like the whole algorithm. So it's like <laughs> I, and then you're gonna see things that you're like, oh wait, this has more views, which makes me more successful. And then you're gonna so so then you're gonna start creating this. It's how Alice happens. It's you know, it's
0: no, I don't think. I mean, I don't believe that I'm going to necessarily steer it based on oh, the algorithm. But, you have a family, but it is something kids, to think you know, like about to because provide, I mean,
1: you know, like in fact, if if this people, if that, that algorithm shows that this people bring more, in, like somehow do bring income, you're not going to make choices based off that. Like people, people might listen to this and they're like, "Oh, dude, we hear that guy," and you would never, ever invite me ever again on your podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, Man, I, I appreciate okay. I I'm fine with <laughs> you, your point I'm of view. Saying, I, like- I don't, yeah, I don't think that's what I'm saying. So I hope that's not actually what you're hearing. I hope, I hope you're no, just kind of giving me a little jab because you are correct. I do care about doing well, yeah, and I, I do care about doing well. But I do think about it too. Is that your point of view? I, what more? What I'm saying is, is that. Uh, There's a certain kind of person who listens to, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I mean, he's like the most popular podcast out there, Joe Rogan. There's a certain kind of person who listens to that podcast. And he can say all day long that he has people with diverse points of view on, but really, you know what you're going to expect when you go into that podcast. You know that nobody is going to necessarily challenge your point of view too much because Joe's there to kind of make it safe for you. Um, And Michael's anything but that. I'm trying to stand out of the way. So if somebody, um, the last guy that I talked to yesterday got super duper religious and instead of, instead of like trying to, to sugarcoat that we just went there. We talked, we talked religion for quite a while. Um, I had a lady who made some straight up racist comments and instead of being like, Hey, that's not welcome here. I tried to like figure out what made her tick. And I know as I'm thinking those things through, and as I release those episodes to the world that the people are going to hear those and they're going to have opinions and they might decide that they're not going to support this because the points of view that are expressed well, here that is are dangerous you know, because i mean if
1: summer so being racist and that's just them being racist that that are, i yeah. don't think that's something that should right. be entertained you know it's like
0: yeah no i don't think i entertained it but i don't i don't think you know that i like well i think called or shamed her either.
1: racist it's like well i grew up with racism yeah. and so, i grew up with like even just as, as a mm-hmm. foreigner and um i think it's one of those things where yeah well, it's easy to do in this country and mm-hmm. it's not right and yes. it should be st- stood mm-hmm. up against i mean if you say like a bluntly racist yes. comment then it's i mean yeah you're thinking about for example like the lives like right now if i just i was like look i got a load of puppies and this puppies look different. So I'm just going to slard in front of you. Are you going to be okay with that? Cause they look different or, I mean, point being it's like, no, life yeah. is life and should be valued.
0: Yeah. So the way that I think of it is I completely agree with you. And I also think that, for example, my, my grandparents grew up in a time where a certain kind of language was acceptable and, I can, I can try to change them um, or I can make sure that my children have a perspective of why they might say certain words that they say um, and try to show my children that there's a difference between respecting people, respecting different cultures, races, um, all different walks of life. And that's what I aspire to do. And I aspire to do it in a kind of a radical way of I want you to be able to be exposed to opinions and ways of thinking that are unfamiliar to you. And know how to navigate through it without doing exactly what you and I have been talking about this whole time, which is picking sides. I don't need you to pick a side. I need you to understand that humans are valuable, um, that our lives are valuable, and that it doesn't matter where you came from, that you are valuable. Um, and so that's why I'm talking about this particular guest and saying, I don't think she knew she was being racist. I think that anybody who's really sensitive to it will hear the particular way that she addressed the subject and be like, Oh, you know that's yeah, that's but it has, it has a lot. And I think that show a lot more. You know,
1: once again, like it's not like you're just racist. As do like education and arrogance, because it has to do mm-hmm. with you know someone sees their lifestyle demeaning, and so they latch on to a scapegoat. And we know how dangerous that is. Yeah. Um. So. Yep. Yeah, I think all this is educating. Like no you may feel this way, but what you feel is not good. And it, it's, you know, it's those things should right. be, they shouldn't be allowed to go unnoticed or like, you know, like we just, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, let's, it just look away. And then you look back and there's a fucking monster yeah. behind you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're particularly sensitive to that too. I mean, you, you never did actually, we didn't wrap that side of the conversation about Romania and how the government just seemed to sort of like appear overnight almost your parents were asking themselves well, like could yeah. we let this did, happen
1: and did, that's that exactly what happened. you're I don't know. saying i don't think any, i don't think a lot of people know I normally mean, it's just kind of dead i think it had to do with a lot of yeah. complacency of, or a lot of you know like it'll be okay let's just look away and, and then when you look back well yeah i mean fuck <laughs> Romania has had the highest amount of orphans due to communism. There's like, um, there's very disturbing things about the land of green plums written by Hertha Mueller. I don't, I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, she was a German writer, but she lived in Romania. She won the Nobel Peace Prize in literature. Um, but she wrote about Romania and how we had the highest um, suicides. Um, Ceausescu had those. If somebody killed themselves, he couldn't. So in Romania, it became so oppressive that you didn't have the right to your own debt. So he, you know, if you died, yeah. like if you killed yourself, you would, you know, you died of a heart attack because it doesn't really look good okay. for a dictator if everyone's killing themselves. <laughs> so he changed the yeah, debt certificates. Kidding. But you do like the concept Mm -hmm. behind that is absurd that you can't even and you know she wrote about that and so it's you know it's those things like when you look back it's like wow that monster got really big and how did it get that big and so it gets Mm -hmm. you know and I grew up with that and those stories and people disappearing and um so there's you Mm -hmm. know parts of the world that have had that so
0: were you aware of that when you were young that those things were happening? I
1: think you're you're always aware. Whether you want to yeah. or not. It's always it's there. You can only feel like you don't see it mm-hmm. for so long. Um yeah. Trying to think more, it's like, well, yeah, just the stories. I don't know. It's what you grow up with. Um there's tension, like there's like that friction mm-hmm. after like the revolution. But you now my thesis was like based off writing about that because um, I think The Romanian Revolution was also like the first televised revolution. And, you know, I think Chaușescu was giving a speech and people started revolting. He called an army and the general of the army killed himself. Um, The army joined the people. They fled in a helicopter, ran out of gas, landed in some village. A villager took them prisoners. They had a guerrilla trial in a smaller village um, that's televised. And you find the footages and they're trying to explain them their crimes of like you are you've murdered thousands and thousands of people. And Ceausescu was looking at his watch. Like he didn't really think he knew, like he didn't, he didn't really understand, he didn't take it seriously. He didn't really think like he could actually be held yeah. responsible. Like he was looking at his watch the whole time. Interesting. Like, he kept going as they're saying this. Um and his wife's there, so they grab him up and tie, you know, just fucking string. you know. His wife starts screaming, like, don't tie my hands. Mm. Um, she grabbed her purse oh, on no. the way out. They were taking them out to your courtyard to be shot. She grabbed her purse, shows oh, like geez. they're like disconnected. with us or like what is happening. And they took him out of the courtyard and shot him. Yeah. And then wow. Now, they they broke it off, they showed the gunshots, they broke it off, and then they they yeah. broke it off and they went back to the bodies on the ground. And then that was the air, and that was aired to like let everyone know that they were dead. Yeah, that it was actually done.
0: Didn't they do something similar with Saddam Hussein? I mean, wasn't there some sort of like visual cruise? Like, you know, was
1: people that lived under that kind of literally sort of yeah. monster, you kind of want to see the dead body. But it's really sad because they were really old at that point. There's all this expression where it's like Hmm. they died like the dogs they were. They died in some fucking dirt courtyard, Mm. some village. But it's still sad because they're still just old Mm. people at that point. (laughs) However, it doesn't excuse anything they did and all of that. But it's just I don't know. It's kind of a all strange thing. But then again, it's like the you know, in terms of like the whole Roman Revolution, the next guy that came power was president for like 12 years. So there's all the talks of a coup and how it happened and all of that. But when you look just like, oh, yeah, just when you look like at those three days of the revolution, it's it's bizarre. They got shot mm. on Christmas Eve. I mean, everything wow. about it is just so ironic wow. and like so it's almost like you couldn't like write a story this well based, you know, without people being like, well, kind of cliche, you hadn't died on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but no they actually yeah <laughs> you know yeah like right before new wow. year's so it was a very new year Jeez, but yeah it's just the whole wow. event unfolding but then it's like what comes after is just you know it doesn't it doesn't it just, everything doesn't just go away everyone doesn't go back everything doesn't just all of a sudden become better
0: right yeah that's what i was actually going to ask you is that we've talked so much about and you said yeah, Chaus- Chauschewski. Chauschewski. is that am i pronouncing it right okay okay so I mean, we've talked a lot about him, but what does happen afterwards? Because I'm I, again, I'm I'm sadly not familiar with with uh, Romanian history. Well, no, I to, think a lot of
1: things happened. I think it's still trying. You know, we're still trying to kind of I don't know democracy, I guess, but it takes work and um, yeah. yeah, just mm-hmm. you know, a lot of corruption. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of things that, for example, like the secret. The securitate, he said that like two out of five people were part of like the secret police. So after Czechescu died, all these documents came out of like, you know, like you got arrested because the neighbor says something about you. And then all it became public. So all of mm-hmm. a sudden, like it created a lot of friction between people. Yeah. Because they're like mistrust. Hey, shit, yeah, I, no I went to jail because you realized he your neighbor routed you me. up And then that's the person you live wow. next to, and you have to see them. You you know, but everyone but oh my gosh. The thing about it is like everyone's trying to protect their families. So what you do is you 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 distract them from like you you miss the you're like no, but we're not bad people, those people are a lot worse. So they will leave you alone, your family. But yeah. Then again, when it was all over, that's you know, everyone has to like look each other in the eye again and live with that. So it's still still yeah. kind of there. But there's a lot of writing and that's why it decided translated poetry book because you know there's a lot of really great writers and poems that came after that that talked about that and when I was here I was trying to write about that that was one of those things where I was like you know it's really selfish for me just to focus on myself and like what I think I know whether where Mm -hmm. I would like to translate these books and they you know they're Mm -hmm. much better poets than I am so like like why am I writing poems Mm -hmm. when At least I can translate them and make them more, will accomplish the same thing, which is like allowing people to see or understand kind of like what was happening in Romania.
0: So that's, I, I think, I think it's kind of coming to a kind of a natural point where we can close up the discussion. How do we find those books? What's your plan for them? When do you, I mean, Translation is is equally I tough. No How idea. are you going to get them published? <laughs> What's your goal? How can we help you? Because that sounds like part of part of what what create collaborate is is here to do is to try to help people who who have never had an avenue to publication before find that. So is that something? I mean, is there anybody in the audience that that you would want to talk to if if somebody could help you get the books when yeah they're, when they're and translated published or done.
1: yeah? Like I said, when I started writing, I went to MFA. It wasn't because I wanted to be published, or I just had a story, and I was like, whatever if it gets published it does um Mm -hmm. when i start translating these books Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i I mean i do all of this because yeah i would like to get it published but i think about i think about just doing it and then i'm like i'll worry about the publishing when it comes
0: i mean i'd like to i'd like to see if you know the community can help you a part of that because it sounds like an amazing project i think you are
1: oh let's see i got a poem i mean i can pull some of it i can read a poem. Yeah, that would be it's great. Being a little bit slow because I gotta find it now. I'm like, file. Wow. Yeah, and I, I also did this with Eric Greenwell. He helped me too. Yeah. So this poem is called In This Century. Do you want me to read the Romanian one first? or?
0: Yeah, let's hear the Romanian one and then translation next.
1: The Romanian one. So, Un astora. nu pot un astora. să rid in secul astora. Nichmort, mort. Asquins and proper meal creor. St. Omulden pod. Lasats, Shobolani, Savina lamine. Amlan de scura, escheculi, Stilu perverse. Sile pline de fragile dimensia. Nuposarid and seculi, astora, niche mort. So, uh, in the English version, in the century. Even dead, I can't laugh in the century. Hiding in my cordial mind. I am the man in the attic. Let the rats come to me. I have at my fingertips a perverse way of failure, days filled with brutal dementia. Even dead, I can't laugh in the century.
0: Wow. Wow. It's interesting because, like, the, 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 you can. I could feel, and I think it's partly the tone that you read it with as well. But I could feel the darkness, even though I couldn't understand the Romanian. I could feel the the darkness of it, and I know the topic we're talking about is dark. So I could maybe try to read into that. But there was there's almost something violent about that the way that the language came across. So that when I heard you talking about you know rats and and just like the the violence of, of being stuck yeah. like that, it yeah made the, so much sense. So the
1: poems that I'm translating were like a book that he released after communism but written during it and you no know, poets didn't really have a lot of say and even if you did write you had to write for there's like the whole mental like you know you're a sellout or like you know you know you know you're being mm-hmm. censored and you live with it yeah so after communism came out mm-hmm. or like collapsed and then you could write about it it's like those things of like yeah well it's like you know it's like you couldn't even say a joke against communism and yeah. it's really yeah. funny because there's this book by a writer from Hungary who wrote the name of the book is I can't think of her name the name of the book is how I survived communism and even laughed. I think it's like okay. the idea of like I can't even laugh. However, there was, there were jokes. there's a lot of I actually wrote a paper about jokes and humor in Romania and communism and it's kind of like mm-hmm. you can say things that are true if you go haha ha, right because then it kind of like takes away from like you're not there you're not really like making a statement you know it's a joke yeah so so it's like it's like yeah, safe ha, ha, it's a yeah, of safe exactly. to well criticize oh. uh it's really funny yeah. but there's uh there's like one joke so like one of the jokes because i looked up all oh, it's like books and looked up all this like kind of like kind of humor people use and there's one joke that was uh what's the difference between Ceausescu and Hitler this has got to be a good uh, one I'm the sure the punchline <laughs> is at least Hitler turned on the gas so Ceausescu oh geez Cea- there were a man Ceausescu only turn on the gas for two hours during the day so you had like nothing to cook nothing oh, like and so that's kind of the joke but it is that kind of like dark all of it's very dark humor (laughs) but you know a lot of my poems are dark people keep telling me that um the interesting thing is like i don't know how you define that because you know i always have to feel like Mm -hmm. i have to like explain myself and like oh no it's just dark but it's just really people's realities
0: so for me, there's, there's a really big difference between dark and I think hopeless. Um, and I I've read, so I just finished a book actually by a um, Mexican writer. Um, there was a horror book and it, like it, I was really kind of enjoying it all the way up. Cause there's not a lot of horror being written right now. It's not being celebrated very much. And I don't understand why, but at the end of the book, he committed suicide and that was his resolution to the horror and I kind of thought that's so disappointing because that's hopelessness. I like darkness. I like, well, okay. Like is a strong word or it's a shallow word for what I'm saying, but um, darkness is forcing you to deal with something really uncomfortable. Um, and I think that that's really important. We need to be able to I think so. uh, experience darkness, but when you, yeah, you called it fatalism earlier. I believe that sense of like, you can't change anything. Oh, yeah. You can't do anything. Hopelessness you know? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: No, it's really interesting because I think that was like one of my things growing up and it kind of, it also has like, again, it has to do with language and it's what made me fascinated by it. Um, like, especially like when I was in college and, you know, people would ask me like, what's Romania like? So I would tell them and you thinking about college mm-hmm. and people and like you're like a party um but i've always kind of just tried i don't know if somebody asked me something i'm gonna answer it down um but there are always you know it's, it was yeah. always fun like oh that's so depressing and it was always like really no it really mm. yeah it's again. just always really bothered me that it's like a country's existence mm-hmm. in reality gets in the way of your happiness like it depresses you like that that it was such i just and i just really started really disliking that word i was like oh that depresses it's like no you can say that's sad yes. or but it dep- it's like it's mm-hmm. it, it just ruined your day now because you know because the reality because <laughs> what someone's reality just gone in the way of your happiness mm-hmm. it's like once you sympathize for the people mm-hmm. actually live that reality or acknowledge that and. Yeah you know, when things, it's like, when you read things and you're like, that's dark, it's like, you know, that is dark in terms of what we experience, but, you know, that is just someone's day-to-day life and not by their choice, mm-hmm. you know, no one romantic really chose yeah. like, it's not, so it always kind of made me think about that, where it's like, no, it's, well, like we always, you know, you grow up with, like, even now, like, Netflix, Hulu, you watch something and, like, it, it, it changes mm-hmm. your mood. Like you can either keep watching, or mm-hmm. I don't know. You flip the channel. Like you create the world that you think is most suited for you, but it it blocks out a lot of the world, like the realities of it. It is that bubble. It's like it's it's arrogance. It's it's a disconnectivity. That's it's I don't know. I mean, just kind of yeah, just hard because. It is really hard i mean we all have our lives it's hard to engage with things you know But like at some point i think and i'm talking about this in terms of this whole idea of like being an artist or writers and i don't know it's like things should be engaged with and not thrown away and i don't know
0: you said you said earlier that you grew up not knowing you were poor and i think that that is uh standing behind what you're saying right now is that um when somebody belittles the experience by using a word like depressing no, they are like no it no wasn't was depressing that. i didn't realize that i was poor i knew that something was hard about oh, what yeah. i was going through or i knew that something that was, was
1: it yeah there's nothing there's a thing about it. it's like yeah. Even, yeah people are like oh wow you write really dark stuff i'm like no i don't i don't i don't it's like the other question of like when like how do you do what you do or, like, I mean, people are always like, How are you okay with just being on the woods for like weeks at a time, you know? But it's, when it's like mm-hmm. this person, I'm like, No, yeah. that was just my life. It's not depressing. It wasn't dark. It was just what it was. And kind of, you're always, somehow it seems like the longer I've been here, the longer I have to like nod my head. I'm like, Yeah, 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 it's dark stuff. But hmm. I, I never, oh no, i never really good at doing that because I'm like, No, it's, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. But, It feels reductive as, I mean, I'm, I'm gathering that's part of what you're, you're experiencing too, is that, you know, people are using a word to reduce a very complex situation.
1: You know, it's kind of funny, but I guess the, the whole thing, they're full circle, you know, where it's like, it's not good. It's not bad. It's like, I don't know. It's just complexity. I think the way our news works, the way news articles works where you get everything and or the, or the blips we don't actually ever read or understand the complexities of all the situations we just think oh that's bad yeah. that happened that's good you know like look at your face like twitter jesus fucking christ twitter just did that like you have like what <laughs> just many characters and that's okay i don't i think at some point we've even gone too lazy or entitled to not actually understand the complexities of all the situations that are happening that we read about.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You bring up Twitter because it feels like that's uh, it's the antithesis or also the summary of me growing up. So I I never dialed in when I was a young kid. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I was an outcast in high school And a big part of what made it really difficult for me is that when I went to school, and I know this will sound crazy and you can have any kind of feelings about it you want, but a big guy like me um, wasn't allowed to use my physical position in any way. And so people who are quick-witted, which I've never been quick-witted, you can probably tell when you're talking to me, it takes me a long time to process thoughts. um, Those people who could compose a tweet and fire it at you were really popular. Because there's there's no such thing as as using you know kind of like your your physicality in any way, and I always found that to be really difficult. Because not that I'm even physically anything, but if if you at least have physicality as part of the game, it, it can really help things. It could have helped a person like me, and I was not built for a world. Uh, so the, you were like appreciate tweets, and then because so I'm yes. like I
1: don't know how any of that like physicality versus, but yeah. It's like people just say really nasty things, and it's it's never impressive. Like look at it's like because you don't have to say anything, and then and then as a response, you're not given the room to actually defend you yourself. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I'm supposed to just right. give another fucking jab yeah. back? It just seems so. I don't know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have Twitter. Yeah. Don't, but well, thanks, Donald yep. Trump. It's like that. You know it's like I re- like I read all other tweets and it comes up and I just don't understand that platform of why um or like why you can all of a sudden just make jabs without actually ever mm-hmm. well being logical explaining our logic our reasonings our intellect it's it's a dumbing down well it's nineteen eighty four it's like it's it's speakeasy let's just say yeah. this things it's I don't get it um i also think you know we all have yeah. a choice in how we interact for example i don't ever listen to podcasts i don't know why i don't I okay. just don't like i don't um i don't do twitter i don't um engage with these things but i think you know, i'm always in nature and i don't i think i've actually mm-hmm. had like a lot of people keep convincing they're like they're listening to podcasts but you know, I'm like, I, I listen to enough people talk about their shit all the time, all around me. It just seems like more voices in my head or like more opinions to where I'm like, well, no. apparently there's like some really good podcasts out there, which I'm sure there are. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy one, a so. handful of them. There, there are some podcasts I like. Yeah, yeah. that's right. i would be kind of silly if I didn't listen to podcasts and I was creating one. Um, but actually, I, I, I do think there's merit to what you're saying because lately I've thought about... Uh, the amount that I listen to podcasts, it was fairly easy for me for, for a little while when I was um, selling advertising, because I would sit in front of my computer um, and write emails to people about why they needed to, to buy our direct mail marketing. And, and um, you know, I could just have a podcast on in my brain because it's so easy to compose that email. I can multitask. And I, I really enjoyed it. It made time go quickly. And I got into this slipstream, I guess, where I just thought like, that's the goal is to make time go quickly. Um, and, I did have a moment where I stopped and I was like, I can't be without something in my head and not be bored. And that was a problem to me. So well, I've made some changes to that because I think that podcasts glad, are, are really cool, but it's scary to, to yeah, be that. alone with your thoughts. I don't,
1: I, I even right now yeah. where I'm at and I there's like not one single fucking sound. It's like pretory country. You make a sound, you die. Yeah. You know, like it's just, absolute yeah. silence and i love it it's like i can actually yeah. like, sleep at point. but it scares a lot of people they don't like yeah. it silence it's like mm-hmm. it makes yep. them feel i don't know it's like they feel like they had to, it has to be filled yep. with something but no i do enjoy mm-hmm. silence um driving like a long road yes. trips like you no know, past girlfriends and all that so it's always like trying something i'm like no right like, why do we always have to feel yeah. like silence with something? <laughs> Sometimes we have to acknowledge yeah. that, too, which is okay. Mm-hmm. I think it goes to say, it's like the yeah. same thing in like the MFA programs. I like, it's just, I don't know. Everyone has so much to say about everything, even though it's nothing. And that's okay, though. But what to me is not okay is when the people that are trying to fill up all this space, words are the ones that have never taking the time to understand silence you know like then it's an insecurity thing it's it's a ego mm-hmm. thing and it's that's when it gets different and it is different So like, you, you know don't don't yeah. don't just think you have something to say because you don't because you're not okay with just like just mm-hmm. listening to nothing
0: yeah something happens inside of us when we're surrounded by silence And I mean, that, that sense of boredom Uh is one of the first ones Um, I'm I'm venturing to guess it's been right. Yeah. But once you, once you break through that, that first wave of boredom of like, what am I going to do with myself? Um, I think that there's something really rich about, about the silence then that's Boredom is still a part of it, but your the way that your mind starts to to make connections inside of you, about you, about the world around you, the things that you can see are very different once you've passed through that. But I think a lot of people are really scared of not being enough for themselves or something. I, I don't know. That sounds really no, trite. I, I don't I don't like that answer. I, I like there's definitely a do. fear of it.
1: There's a lot of times like I I don't I don't have, you know, I gotta like wash my own clothes. I mean everything takes forever. I got to like go get Mm -hmm. water. And the weird thing is like, I like those things because it doesn't give me the time to be bored. You know, like when we created a machine that does everything Mm -hmm. for us and we press a button, then we're going to be left with a lot of fucking empty Mm -hmm. space. And so we fill that up with everything else. So yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you have to uh, wash your dishes, go get firewood, make a fire, do all those things. You realize that you know you actually don't have enough time for everyone else's bullshit they're <laughs> alone yeah like fill it
0: um curious totally different um different different uh topic but i'm I'm curious do you, do oh, you like, can you make like, fires with your hands
1: oh, like, like i just shoot bow drills or hands?
0: yeah <laughs> yeah are you magical no can you use like a bow drill or can you use like a hand yeah. throw or anything I mean, like I that was, or... i was
1: carry like i was carry a flint <laughs> you... and, like a sparker if i have to and things mm-hmm. to make firewood gotcha
0: yeah yeah the reason I ask is because that was one of the things that, that I want to teach my kids. I, when I was working in the wilderness therapy, you get the the bow drill. So you just basically cut a length of willow off of a, a willow bush. And then you get a length of rope and tie yeah. it to both ends. See, and, I never you know, did that. A little spindle. Yeah. Yep, and then. Man. Okay. Yeah, really, really loved it. And I always felt like there's Even something really the stove, valuable with that I love experience. making
1: fire. And then like watching it. The flames yes. are always mesmerizing. you are never, mm-hmm. it's it's just something. Yes. I mean, for example, it's just it's just like the most basic thing you can do for yourself. Heat is yeah. like what allows you to survive in the winter. And when you do it f- yeah. for yourself, it's just very satisfying. And you can watch it and you know, yeah. pressing a that's what I'm saying. It's like you no know, living in culture where it's like, oh, you press a button and you have heat. You don't understand the necessity mm-hmm. of yep. how important that is, in like your environment right. and doing it for yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. going, getting wood, chopping it up, knowing how to do this differently, small yep. and how to make it go. And it's, it's I don't know. I, I I enjoy every time I make a fire, and yeah, it's one of those things yeah. that I always will because it's always like I provide this necessity for myself and you know it's a lot of people yeah i don't know push a button your dishes get washed push a button your laundry gets washed you know you push a button you have heat and then people are like why does everyone always have a fucking existential crisis i'm like well does they have a lot of fucking time for that you know like when you have everything else doing things for you then of course you're gonna wonder or question what your meaning is it's like what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways that's oh. that no i honestly don't care it's just like sometimes i don't know sometimes i get like feel like i get rented only because i don't know i i live in cities i live in like kansas city and a bunch of other cities and yeah you know i it was just really i kind of i don't know i kind of feel very insignificant so i got away from that
0: yeah 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 that makes perfect sense i it's funny because nature is is um has a oh, way of very making much feeling self. significant too, i mean, but uh i think you you understand your role in it too and i think yeah. that helps you one thing i do want better. to say
1: in terms of this whole like me being nature is that you know i i don't want to romanticize it it is fucking brutal it's like it's i i the idea of like, oh, you're just out in nature It is not easy. Like, it's brutal. It's indifferent. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll die right. and it doesn't fucking matter. It's, so I just, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to make it seem like it's like one of those, I mean, we haven't really talked, but it's like, you know, there's a lot of fucking really harsh shit I have to like do and deal with and um, they have no choice, you know, in terms of doing. You wake up, you gotta go get what, you do yeah. those things. You, there's, Not, Mm -hmm. there's never like a, oh, I'll just chill out today. There's always like the things that you have to do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to make it out. It's like.
0: Nah. And I mean, I, I'm guessing nobody, nobody heard that. I I think, I think that a lot of people have uh, spent a few hours walking in nature. And I don't know how many people have gotten out to the area in Oregon and Idaho that spent a lot of time in, but uh, it is so incredibly rugged and remote out there. Um, you don't have to be there very long to realize that it would be pretty easy to just get swallowed up by it and that's i think a huge part of the charm
1: yeah well we're all kind of fucking non-existent and we kind of try to fool ourselves into thinking that we have some kind of important existence on this planet but even if we do it's yeah. like what well, does it matter like even as famous as shakespeare is it didn't make him live any longer it's not like we actually, the funny thing is like we read what he writes with. It's not like we all, we actually, it's not like we actually know who Shakespeare really was. It's almost a kind of strange mystery.
0: Yeah. It's also fascinating how much we still connect to it though. I mean, for me, the oh, sonnets yeah. are actually still yeah. something that um, I, I can pull out and connect to anytime. I I, I love that about literature. I this is probably one of the biggest draws I I is do the too. timelessness. Of and I
1: think it's why people get, you know, it's, it's way I don't know, guess one way that people think they could live forever. But in some weird way, we don't really need that anymore. It's because I guess you can just live forever through all your shitty Facebook posts, you know? So, like, what's the difference? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm not comparing okay.
0: Shakespeare's shitty Facebook posts. Yeah, send post, so just some VR goggles.
1: Yeah, have that No, I understand. I think social networking has really enabled people to... So like yeah
0: anyway regress yeah yeah it's a uh, it's a good time to wrap up we've been going for two and a half hours and uh, yeah
1: I was gonna say yes, yeah. yeah. send me I didn't record this <laughs> nice. or now,
0: but I will tell you from from my perspective um, this has been well, one of the more you. enjoyable conversations that I've had and I really appreciate the pace that you speak at um, it feels like. It's not uncommon to have guests on here who want to rush and say everything and say it really quickly. And I I so much appreciated how you took time to think through what you had to say and made for a really fun time. I haven't talked to anybody else for two and a half hours because oh, nobody's well, had enough that's you. interested in me thanks so far. So, that. Yeah, um, well, thanks. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, it was fun. It was kind of yeah. like I said, well, it was just kind of fun talking. Um, I think it's always, yeah, Yeah. It absolutely was. It's a nice thing I forget uh, there's all sorts of different mediums like connect to people.
0: Yeah. Used, used appropriately. Something like Zoom is a really cool thing because I mean, it, it adds to it to be able to, we're not really face-to-face, but be able to see your expressions really helps uh, yeah. frame the conversation. Cool. Well, so glad we got thank to Thank you. So, and yeah,
1: yes. Yeah. If you yeah. can do it. Yeah. Send me that. So I kind of want to see kind of, I don't we'll know do. how you went, but, um, but then yeah, just send me a yeah. link too once you get it edited and all that. And, so on but i'm glad i'm glad to be part of this and thanks for inviting me um